This podcast is sponsored by Motion Elements, the world's largest online marketplace for Asian-inspired stock animation, video footage, 3D models, and After Effects and Motion templates. For your video project needs, browse through hundreds of thousands of premium, royalty-free content at www.motionelements.com. This episode is also brought to you by... The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast at AOTG.com, and this week we have a New York Edit Fest from last year with the documentary panel. So on this panel we have Lindsay Utz, we have David Tedeschi, we have Louis Erskine, Ariel Amselin and David Zeefs, the moderator. They discuss that very thin line between truth and fiction and, and where it blurs a bit. And that's kind of interesting. So have a listen. If you haven't already checked it out, we have a Europe pub night coming up soon. Uh, on June 29th, we're going to the John Snow Pub in London. That's going to start at 8 p.m. It comes right after Edit Fest, so all the editors are going to walk over to that pub. Then on July 3rd, we're going to be hosting a pub night in Amsterdam. And I'd like to thank Anne for helping set that up. Without her, we couldn't have gotten it done. The pub's just being locked down right now. It's going to be July 3rd, 8 p.m. If you go to AOTG.com, you'll see a baby blue logo that says Europe Pub Nights. Click on that and you'll get all the information. In the meantime, let's, let's listen to these editors discuss that fine line between fiction and reality. Um, this is towards the beginning of the film. This is... Um, We've just met uh, one of our main characters, Alex, um, and seen him at home with his family, but this is the first time that we sort of send him to school. So this is the scene that actually caused all the controversy with the MPAA, um, which actually was turned out to be a pretty good thing for the film um, in terms of getting a lot of publicity and whatnot. But I chose this scene... um, because I thought it spoke to the name of this panel, which is nonfiction versus the truth. And the idea of kind of um, molding uh, a truth out of footage. Um, now, the raw footage of, you know, both the scene where he goes to the corner and he's, you know, <clears throat> with the two other kids, and then the scene on the bus. I mean, if you were to watch that raw footage, there's a lot of banter back and forth between Alex and these kids. And of course, you know, in a documentary like this with so many characters, you don't have time to let all that banter play out. But also, do you want the banter to play out, you know? Um, I think one of the things that I was sort of trying to do in the setup with Alex is start to create this world with him where this kind of dangerous world that is like the school bus and going to school and this kind of uh, sense of isolation. And part of, I think, how you do that is by actually removing a lot of the, you know, the kind of junk and the banter and the, and the things that don't really constitute an event, you know? And um, 
And the truth is, when we watched that bus footage, we didn't know what that kid was saying because there was like multiple channels of audio and we had to mute you know, a number of channels in order just to hear what the kid was saying to Alex. And Alex, you know, in, that, in the raw footage actually, you know, and you get a little bit of that, but sort of eggs him on in a way. And um, so, you know, it, and I don't want to say Alex provokes it, but, you know, you, I, I guess if you were to watch the, all of the footage and you were to see the banter, you might not feel the kind of empathy towards Alex that you would feel if you sort of remove that banter. And so I think as an editor, you know, and editors and directors, you know, sit and make these choices about, you know, what truth they sort of want to present. I mean, and it's true that this kid said those things to Alex, but you know, you you know, by removing the other stuff, you kind of you put it on stage in a really big way. And um, and so, you know, I thought that was an interesting clip because I think it really addresses the idea of, you know, what truth do you choose to present when you're when you're cutting a documentary and how does that serve your sort of larger narrative? So Yeah, I mean that's just to take off on that a little bit, I mean, we have choices that we make all the time. Obviously, we're adding music. I mean, that alone is enough to sort of uh, set in motion emotions that aren't clearly there necessarily. You know, we're constantly confronting situations like that where uh, the choices we make are hopefully representative. I mean, that's my ethical compass. You know, just as a short anecdote, I did a film about Reggie Miller, uh, Winning Time, uh, where he is uh, taunting... Uh, uh, John Starks into a headbutt and uh, has an issue with uh, Spike Lee. And long story short, Spike Lee is a, has a moment where he uh, is recounting how he never talks trash to anybody. I never, ever, never, ever would I ever say anything. And then I cut to a, a, a clip with Scottie Pippen from the Bulls doing just that, uh, crashing in front of uh, one of the Knicks and Spike Lee screaming at him, oh, foul, 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 oh, your mother, is what he's saying to him, right? <laughs> and all of that, I'm sort of uh, secretly admitting, was created. That soundtrack was created. My compass for that was that was recorded. It was actually sound from another game where he did the same thing. And so in my mind, you would never know it, but in my mind, it was ethical from the standpoint of illustrating something you wouldn't otherwise be able to illustrate. And as such, Spike Lee never said anything about it. So that was probably a good uh, measure. So I'm just curious, you guys, you know, we all confront these kinds of moments where, you know, at the end of the day, we're kind of the uh, judge. Um, so I don't know if anybody has any anecdotes, but. Well, I think your point is great. Um, and I think, you know, by, by making certain decisions, you assign certain feelings to your characters. You know, and the thing with Alex is these things that people say to him, they really do hurt him, but he would never admit that, right? So it's almost as if you're, you're telling the story that even Alex can't tell, you know, but you're assigning sort of, you're projecting sort of your own, your own kind of feelings on it, and, you know, what you choose to highlight becomes, you know, the story. I mean, if history is what we narrate, you know, then you know, it, this, you know, this is a narration that we chose and this is, you know, sort of how it will live forever. And yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it, I, I call it enhanced reality. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, you know, that's a debatable uh, moniker, but I think that just by the mere touching of the things that we do, the choices we make, 
one thing versus the other, we're, we're affecting the, the message. Any? I think also particularly with um, archival footage where you're really limited. I cut a documentary that takes place in, uh, in the South from abolition to present day. And, um, and there are a lot of events for which there was no archival footage. There was no photographs. People down there didn't have a dime. They were ex-slaves. There was just nothing. And so we really had to be creative to cover the interviews. And, you know, we used footage of segregated state fairs that we don't even know what year they are or where they took place, but we found this footage. And we used footage from random picnics, you know, in the South. And we just kind of tried to... And I don't think, you know, obviously it's not what we're talking about, but it doesn't change the story, and it helps to illustrate something that we couldn't illustrate in any other way. And, you know, it's, you know, I suppose we were acting as if it was the events that the people were talking about, but you could do no other way, and without it, the story couldn't be told. And so you have to make a decision, and... um and how much, you know, if you had the actual footage, how different would it be? And how much are you misrepresenting or not? And it is a, a tough decision sometimes. But We had a kind of a crazy situation in No Direction Home. Maybe two days before the broadcast, we had been doing a lot of press screenings. And uh, there was a... Um, did throughout No Direction Home, we had these... Um, this archival footage that somehow captured the era. And we had Mario Savio in this amazing, of the Berkeley Free Speech Movement. It's amazing speech, you know. You need to, you know, rail against the machine, fight against the machine. And then we cut to um, him being dragged off the stairs by police. And two days before the broadcast, we got a, a fax from Jan Wenner saying, you know, I went to Berkeley, I was there, and that's a misrepresentation of what happened that uh, Mario Savio uh, was not arrested as a result of that exact speech. And, um, you know, and, and, and on that film, we were trying to be extremely accurate. So, you know, Marty's like, we have to change it. You know, so <laughs> we went back uh, to the archive to figure out the exact time frame of what happened. Um, and in fact, Mario Savio got arrested it was the same demonstration, and it was two days later, which we kind of lucked out because it, it could have been a year later. And then uh, in the end, we left it because it was impossible to change, too. It had already been delivered to DVD. But it's funny. You would never think that somebody would give you a response like that, especially somebody who's a well-known journalist. But I, it happens. Uh, I'd like to thank the Manhattan Edit Workshop for allowing me to use these clips. I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors, Jenny McCormick, of course. And I'd also like to thank our uh, two sponsors. We have, uh, as you heard at the beginning, Black Magic Design. And we also have our new sponsor, Motion Elements. So if you're looking for Asian-inspired stock footage, check them out, motionelements.com. And of course, if you haven't checked out Resolve, go to blackmagicdesign.com. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>